People have always longed for a life of meaning. The human heart craves more than mere existence. We yearn to rise above, to experience love, purpose, and joy. When we look outside ourselves, we can sense that everlasting freedom is attainable, yet a bit out of reach. A poem was penned in the Dark Ages by an unnamed monk. Lost for centuries, it was later found by nuns in a distant convent. They set the verses to music and eventually filed it away where it gathered dust for many more years. The hymn was rediscovered in 1851 by John Neal, the chaplain of a small British orphanage. His hobby was translating obscure hymns into English, and he found special meaning in this one, for it sang of freedom, adoption, and the longing for a home. Now a staple of the season, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, crackles with suspense. The name Emmanuel means God with us. This is the thing we've been anticipating. Emmanuel is around the corner. The Lord is coming near. The expectant prayer says, God, enter into our grief. Deliver the perfect gift we've all been longing to receive. Now Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to deliver. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, watching their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, all praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth good will and peace toward men. What made Christianity so distinct in transforming the world was that other religions before and after were all about manual labor. I worked my way to God. Christmas is offering Emmanuel labor. God works for us. God came to earth He clawed his way here instead of us clawing our way to him. Instead of us giving God our resume and hoping we're accepted. Emmanuel labors. God labored for us to come here to ultimately die for us that we could know for sure. He would give us his resume and accept us on the basis of that. Emmanuel transformed history. But sometimes in misconception, that means God's going to always fix circumstances. 
I think if we were reading Joseph's journal from those days, we might anticipate it goes like this. Amazing! Outstanding! Angels and wise men and shepherds, oh my! It feels so great to be in the center of God's will. But it's easier to see God's will through the rearview mirror than it is through the windshield. It's easy for us to look back and say, wow, God was working back then, clearly. But as Joseph looked through the windshield of his life in the present, all he saw was a lot of obstacles. And God wanted to deliver a message to him that he could be confident that God was with him even in the midst of his challenges. One of the first obstacles he saw, again, if we were reading his journal, think of the Bible, actually, not so much as a one book as much as a collection of handwritten notes. Dr. Luke was an ancient historian. He says when he wrote the account of We Know as a Christmas Story, this historian said he actually interviewed eyewitnesses. So what we're actually reading is eyewitness testimony, probably from Mary herself, describing what she and Joseph went through. And they didn't feel God was with them. They felt like they were surrounded by obstacles. Joseph may have written, God, I'm angry. How could she have done this to me? How could I so have misjudged Mary? She's pregnant. She's broken my heart. I guess. I guess I'll divorce her quietly. God, where are you? As he looked through the windshield of his life, what the scripture records is that Mary was found to be with child, which suggests that maybe she didn't volunteer the information, or at least it was a surprise to Joseph. He found out his plans for the future, his relationships, everything he had going on seemed to be shattering around him. And maybe this year is a year that you found some things out. Maybe you found out how stubborn you are. Maybe you found out how stubborn one of your kids are. Maybe you found out that even when you accomplish all your goals, it doesn't fully and finally satisfy. Or maybe like Joseph, you found out that there's some relational discord. Your marriage wasn't as strong as you thought. Maybe you found out the pain and the grief of not being able to call mom and dad at Thanksgiving and Christmas because of relational conflict. Or maybe somebody passed away this year. And you might say what Joseph said, which is, man, when I look at, through the windshield of my life, it feels like God is not with us. But maybe another entry. We go and we read from Joseph hey, what's going on. And, and the second obstacle he sees had a little bit different tone. God, I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. The Roman government is at it again. They want more taxes as if they haven't taken enough. I've got to shut down my business and go two days' journey to Bethlehem. It's about 100 miles. With a pregnant fiancé. I can't afford a donkey. I can't shut down the business. The Romans always want more and more. God, where are you in the midst of my business challenges? The Bible says it this way. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus required everyone go to their own town or city to be registered so that he could tax them more. And Caesar Augustus was a character in history. His real name was Tiberius, and he was the son of Julius Caesar. And Julius was known as the divine Julius. So his son, Caesar Augustus, 
was known as the son of Julius, the son of the divine, or in common vernacular, Caesar Augustus was known by the Romans as the son of God. As Joseph looked through the windshield of his life, he said, how does it feel to be so close to the son of God? He's like, let me tell you about the son of God. The only son of God that I can feel right now is the government breathing down my neck, destroying my business, taxing me, making me go places at times that are very, very disruptive to my life, to my career. That's the son of God that seems most prevalent in my windshield right now. God, God is not with me. But there were probably some other entries when Joseph was actually seeing God confirm he was in the midst of his circumstances. God, thank you that the angel came. I was going to give up on our relationship, but, but we're still betrothed and I stayed with Mary. And thank you for the shepherds that said that, that the child in the manger was a sign that you were with us. And just yesterday, the wise men stopped by. Wise men from the east, magi. And they came bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I've never had so much margin. I've never had so much savings. I've never had so much money at my disposal. Thank you, God. And then an angel appeared to him. What? There's a threat against my family? Herod, the most powerful man, the richest man in in the entire empire is trying to kill my son. What should I do? What should I do? Go to Egypt. You took my ancestors out of Egypt. That's like eight days journey. 200 miles. I have to go 200 miles with a two-year-old? God, where are you? How am I going to start my business? How am I going to provide for my family and protect them in a, in a land where, where I don't have any connections? As Joseph looked through the windshield of his life, what he heard the angel say is, flee to Egypt. And Egypt represented the unknown. He looked through the windshield and he saw a lot of pyramids and a lot of sand. And I think if there's one thing that gets us to doubt God, it's the unknown. What's your Egypt? It's fear. It's the fear that God's not with me. It's the doubt that he's not with me. And and all those circumstances form a set of obstacles that makes us wonder if we're in God's will, wonder if he's still in control of our lives, wonder what we should or could do. And yet the truth is, we we see through the rearview mirror, right, that he was closer to God's plan of changing history than ever before. The Bible says this, as he was thinking about these things, as he thought about these obstacles, God appeared to him and said, what is in Mary's womb is of the Holy Spirit. You are closer to God. You're closer to me. You're closer to my plan than you've ever been. Anyone's ever been. In fact, the prophets prophesied of this when they said, your son will be Emmanuel, God with us. It may not feel like I'm with you, but I am. I'm going to turn these obstacles into the most unbelievable opportunities. Now, Christianity is not a, a word game, a psychobabble, trying to convince myself the problems in my life aren't that bad, and I'm never going to say problem, I'll always say opportunity. A corporate buzzword, right? Like if you ever read uh, Dilbert, there's the Dilbert where management says, we shall no longer refer to problems as anything but opportunities. Having said that, a secretary comes up and says, apparently one of your spawn burned down your house this morning. To which Wally says, 
a camping opportunity? That's not what Christianity offers, or pretend something's not real bad. No, it's, it's God is with you. In the same way he was with us in history, he promises if you invite him, he can be with you in your current circumstances. He can be with you in your current moments. He says, what, you're, what Mary's giving birth to, she is going to labor to deliver Emmanuel. And that Emmanuel will labor on the cross to deliver you from your sins, from your wrongdoing, from your self-centeredness. If Emmanuel labor, I am with you. And if you want to know who this child is, if you're discouraged this Christmas season, this child offers you joy. If you're facing the unknown, this child has wisdom. If you're having trouble forgiving someone, this is the very source of forgiveness. When he forgives you everything you've done, it empowers you to forgive others. Whether you're looking for purpose, or meaning or joy, this child is the source of everything we've been longing for. So knowing what you know, through the windshield of time, what would you whisper to Joseph as he was struggling in these moments of obstacles? Wouldn't you whisper, trust him? He is in control. This is part of the plan. Trust him to make you right and everyone else through forgiveness. And trust him to make things right in working in these circumstances. And if that's what we tell Joseph, then maybe we could whisper that to ourselves this Christmas. I was 16, I got my first car, I developed a bad habit I haven't got rid of yet. I remember I, I stepped in my car and whatever was in my left hand would be thrown over the steering wheel onto my dashboard. And because of that, it would cause a reflection that appeared in my windshield. So I threw my grades up there, I drive around for a week with a half-faded reflection of my grades. I saw every turn, I saw every house, I saw every friend through the lens of a half-faded achievement. As I've gotten older, I still do it. Sometimes after a meeting, I'll come home with spreadsheets and goals, Excel reports, and I'll toss them up over the steering wheel, and I drive home through the half-faded image of goals, accomplishments, and numbers. One time, I threw my Bible up there after a Sunday school when I was a kid, and I remember the Bible flying open. I began to see my whole life through a half-faded image of the Bible. I think we all see life through some particular half-faded lens. God doesn't really work today. God's angry at me. There's no way out of this blanket of guilt. But what if we began to see our whole life, our current circumstances, through the lens of God is with me even in the midst of this? To which you're like, it's just wishful thinking. Except that he did it in history. Look what God did in history, right? He, he, Bethlehem wasn't a podunk little town. We have manuscript evidence hundreds of years in advance where God predicted that was the location. Egypt. Hundreds of years in advance. Predictions that that's, he would call his son out of Egypt. In the same way Moses delivered the people from bondage, he said, my son will deliver you from the bondage. The addiction to achievement. The addiction to accumulation, the addiction to self, I'm bringing forgiveness. 
And think of Joseph has to run to protect his family for several years while Herod's trying to kill him. And guess who shut up just before they need to leave? Also predicted hundreds of years in advance, foreign dignitaries with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God provided just in time to finance that journey. God is with us. So trust him. Trust that if he could handle those puzzle pieces in history, he might be able to handle your life as well. This truth can be transforming. I know if you know the story of William Borden. He was heir to the Borden Dairy uh, fortune in the 1800s. He had popularity. He had name recognition. He had finances. He just graduated from Hale or Stanford, can't remember which. And he had incredible job opportunities. Yet he was so struck by this new message of Emmanuel that God could forgive him now. And not he could wish or hope he gets to heaven, but he could know for sure that he could be in heaven because God based his acceptance into heaven based on what Jesus did for him. That he turned down all the things that he used to think were important because he found something more important. He traveled the world to tell people they could know of a God who forgives them and loves them. When he found his Bible and he died, he wrote three phrases in there. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. That's confidence. You know what makes something holy? When God is there. That's what makes it holy. A holy night is when God is there. And this has been a year I've seen a lot of holy nights. I've seen God show up with people who had secrets they've been living with for decades. And it finally got out and they found freedom. I found people starting Bible studies for the first time who are not even sure if they're believing the Bible or Jesus yet. But I'm really willing to trust you to investigate. And God was there. This room, we've had funerals this year of children and long-term spouses. And I saw folks find the holiness of comfort and hope in the midst of grief. Whether you need wisdom or purpose or joy, whether you need comfort or you need grace and forgiveness. You can have a holy, not just night once a year. Every day can be holy because you invite God into it. Emmanuel, holiness. God is with us. Let's lift our candles together. Father, we, may we be the light of love and forgiveness to those around us. We receive you and believe and invite you to be our Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there are no services tomorrow, no services the week after. We'll see you all back here on the weekend of the 7th and the 8th. Merry Christmas.